Okay, Pastor Hashem, Parshat Akev, fifty-seven seventy-nine. What this podcast has kind of evolved into is me selecting a certain piece and taking it apart, one piece each week. Okay, so fine. So, Blinetter, I want to look at a piece from Pardes Rimonim, the twenty-fourth Shar. Shar Ahechalot, the gates of chambers or palaces, in the tenth chapter where he's explaining angels. I found this because Blinetter, in weeks coming, I want to explore a certain piece from the Shla, the Shneiluch Debrit, a great tzaddik who is taking from the Ramak, from the Arizal, from the earlier Kabbalists, and weaving together an opus, very long comprehensive book similar to the Lashem I'm realizing anyway let's look at the Ramak in the fifth paragraph according to Safaria well the fourth paragraph okay the fourth paragraph Hine nimsa ki atzilot shorash ala bria va bria shorash ala yitzira va yitzira shorash ala asiya so right where we left off with the Shefetal last week we see that there are four basic worlds and each higher world is higher and more internal and the root of the lower world that is growing out from it or chaining out from it or unfurling out from it. Okay, I'm going to skip a little bit. Okay, I'll skip a little more. Amnam, mipenei ha'ishtalshalut, nit avu nit galu. As these worlds are chaining out, as lower worlds are chaining out and unfurling from higher worlds, which are their root, they get thicker and more physicalized, so to speak. So we can understand this, metaphorically speaking, when we look at a tree. As always, a tree is a pretty good thing to meditate on or a person but we think of the seed the genetic seed the sperm and the egg of a human being or the seed of a tree it's a very spiritual level it's everything unfolding out later contained in this super spiritual singularity point type of business so it's a very spiritual level it's the root and whatever is folding out and unfurling and unchaining from that seed, from that root, it's getting thicker. It's getting more embedded and embodied as it's moving away, literally, spatially, from its source. It's hardening, it's thickening. It's getting more into the extremities, farther from the core. And that's how the whole universe is behaving also, at all times. There are spiritual signals which are beginning in seed-like concepts of the totality of that moment, and they're every minute spinning out into the idea of extremities and lower worlds congealing and manifesting into this moment and then in this moment and so forth. Okay. And as lower worlds, a very important word as well, as lower worlds 
are unfolding and unpacking and unfurling and chaining out from higher worlds, like we described, they're also becoming more and more revealed. The final tree, with which the final tree is expressing all that was in the seed, yet in a, in a sense a degraded level, because it's not in that mysterious seed level, but in that kind of ordinary, so to speak, revealed tree level, it is way more revealed to us. The tree out of the seed is way more revealed to us than the tree in the seed. Okay, so the last major quality which is occurring in this folding out and chaining out process is revelation. Okay. Yeah. Okay, now come on. So therefore we see that there's nothing in this world that doesn't have some type of divine influx in light that's pushing it out and giving it existence. Ella, shashef v'hahu kifiridito me'acharaim shehem panim l'shar It's just that the degree that an item is getting divine light, which is playing in it, revealing in it, acting in it, that is to the extent that it is unfolding down the chain of existence. So as each world and experience is chaining out and unfolding out into lower and lower worlds and more and more revealed worlds and more and more congealed worlds, to the extent it is more revealed, more unfolded, more unfurled, more congealed, etc., etc., to that degree, the light that is playing in it, activating in it, and revealing in it, is of a lower and lower quality. Yeah. Ken yitavu, yitgalu, yitgashmu, majega, majega, kviyat roi, elachomer achor. We'll stop it over here, but the point is, is that to the extent that an item or an experience is folding out and chaining out from these higher worlds, which are their roots, like their seed, the way that thought is the seed or the root of speech, so the way that each thing is unfolding from its root and getting more physicalized, so to speak, or congealing, to that extent, the light, which is playing in those lower and lower levels, and those more and more revealed levels, is also of a less intense quality, in a certain sense. Okay, we'll stop it there. Okay, continuing with this piece in Partis Ramonim, remembering that soon. Definitely by the end of this cycle of the Torah. I want to look at that Shalah piece. Because it's so fundamental to understanding the Torah in general. And Sefer Devarim. The book of Deuteronomy in particular. But the Ramak is continuing in the fifth paragraph. According to Sepharia. Kishitale ha'chaymer ha'av. El mitzius keruves ha'chaymer hadak. Sha'alav. Hine Yair Bo 
Shir or Hachaymer Hamulahu. Fascinating language. One of the most fascinating sentences I've ever read. When you have some material which is elevating, when you have some material which is thick and coarse, at least relatively speaking, and it elevates to become an existence of material that is more refined, which that level of being more refined material is existing above the prior course material, when it elevates to that next level of more refined material, it is thereby given access to and receives and is filled with a higher light that is appropriate to that new level. Okay, so the formulation and the imagery that he's putting out here is like, I guess by example, we say that the food that we eat, he's going to give this example, but the food that we eat is like on a level of more coarse material than our bodies because ears of corn and pieces of cheese and bread don't get up and start solving quadratic equations or thinking about moral questions and raising families, right? So the material that is constituting my body, that material, when it's in my body, is on a higher level of materiality than the food, which is going to be eventually integrated into my body. But I just really think that his formulation and language here is fascinating because it's like, the way he put it, it's that the level of elevated materiality and configuration is like a level, at least in potential, that's existing like above, hovering over the food that I'm going to eat that will one day be in my body. So the level of food that is now my body is like a level that the food is elevating up into. It's like we're looking at this from a perspective beyond isolated moments, but we're looking at the journey of this or that food item from a more timeless perspective, and we're seeing that on its timeline, it will one day be a part of my body just right now, it hasn't reached that stage yet. It hasn't reached that rung of the ladder yet, but it will. And when it rises up to that rung of the ladder, then it gets more light inside of it. Because it rose up to that higher level of materiality, it gets a higher light of getting a human being's soul dressing up in it. It's just a very interesting image. The way he says, when the lower level of coarse materiality is rising up to the next level of more refined materiality, as if that level, and he's saying that that level is already existing above the lower level prior to the lower level rising up to merge with its higher levels and higher levels. See, so he just says a lot, kind of off the cuff, which I wanted to bring out. Okay. So we just spent four and a half minutes on one line, but it's okay. Now, now he gives a beautiful mushal, a beautiful analogy. A mushal, 
he says, let's give an analogy, very simple analogy. You have a huge palace with a stained glass window on, let's just say, the far eastern wall. So when you're standing all the way to the western wall of the palace, it's really, really dark because the light isn't reaching to the western wall of the palace. But when you get closer and closer to the eastern wall, the light gets brighter and brighter until when you're standing right in front of it, it, it's like almost blinding your eyes. Okay, so very, very basic image of how light is getting dimmer or brighter depending on physical proximity. But whereas this seems like a pretty simple image, like what's going to be so deep about this, it's actually so deep. Because then I'll just say what he means by this, and then I'll try to explain what I think he's saying. Right. Kena ingin bekan, ki bios shenid rachachu adavarim, v'mechitza tam, omimekoram, yitae v'yidgashmu v'nimsao achurim gasim tachli zagasus, kmo aretz. So too, all of reality is working this way. That the source of reality is like that stained glass window in the eastern wall of the palace. And just as when a person is walking around that palace and he's walking farther and farther away from the bright stained glass window, it's getting darker and darker such that it might get so dark he can hardly see what's in front of him. So too, he says, so too he says. I'll read again the quote. When things, when all items are distancing themselves from their original mechitza, their original space, their original sanctified root space of existence, and from their makor, from their source, then they get thicker and they get more physicalized. So that he is now explicitly formulating here this concept of distance or proximity to a source as defining the elevated or degraded stature of an item. So he is literally figuring here the metaphor of proximity or distance to a source as determining the elevated or degraded stature of materiality and its configurations as well as the elevated or degraded stature of the light which is able to pour into and dress up in and animate these items how much light what quality what quantity so again in the example of the food that i haven't yet eaten versus when i eat it so take a slice of bread when it's still not eaten by me it's so to speak more distant farther away from its source and when i do eat it 
it is like getting closer to where it originates from. So the slice of bread before I eat it is being imagined here as like farther away from the stained glass window, which is that source of light of where all things are coming from. In its origin, whatever this means, like the materiality of that bread or what constitutes that bread in the ultimate sense is somewhere extremely high. It's just that when it distances itself, it gets moved away from its origin. It's getting thicker and thicker and more and more degraded until it is congealing as a piece of bread. But when it starts to move back towards its origin, it's getting more elevated as it becomes part of my body. Okay, it's getting closer to the source. It's, it's as we said, moving up a level, a rung in the ladder of entering into the fold of a higher stage of materiality, thereby able to open up and receive more light, which means that, so to speak, it's getting more and more proximate to the origin. Now, clearly, in spatial distance, it's not getting closer to anywhere. It's not like there's some physical location on the map. I mean, Israel is a physical location on the map, which is closer to the origin. That's true. The foundation stone of reality. But even if I eat something over here in America, the thing is still getting closer to the origin, spiritually speaking. There's a, more, there's a closer spiritual proximity to, to where it's coming from. And the fascinating thing as well that this really struck in my mind is that we're talking about the bread, the, the slice of bread moving closer to the origin, so to speak, spatially, or at least rising up on spiritual lever, levels which are closer to the origin. But also, it's clear that there is a... Um, He's laying out here a concept of temporal, time-bound process. That the, Here's the deep point. The slice of bread, it has to travel back to its origin. And first it has to enter my body, and then it needs to participate in fueling my body to learn a mitzvah which then that is creating angels, which are elevating the energy of that mitzvah. And I'm going to have to explain that next time because I'm running out of time. But the bread is traveling from being, once it was just a seed in the dirt, and then it was elevating to become a more elevated level of material as a wheat stalk. And then it was becoming a more elevated material as it was becoming bread. And then it was becoming a more elevated material when it becomes part of my body. And each time it's moving up the rungs of this ladder of stages of refined materiality, which is opening it up to receive higher levels of light. So while it's traveling this ladder of getting closer and closer in spiritual proximity to its original source, that is corresponding with it traveling forwards into the future. That, here's the fascinating point. 
when that the materiality of that item, which would become bread, which would eventually become my body, was first cast out from the source to become so coarse and physicalized that it was just seed and dirt. So it was cast off from the origin of things into some future. And then when the thing starts to get stimulated, to be reintegrated back into, into the human level and ultimately into the mitzvah performance level, It's like traveling back to where it came from, and now the time is moving in the other direction. Whereas the initially time was pushing it away from the origin, casting it out into some future where it was cast away in, in distance, both spiritually speaking from the level of its origin, and also temporally speaking that it was cast out into the future. But when... Its time comes and it's activated out of the ground and is growing into a wheat stalk. And then it's moving back towards its origin and it's traveling on its timeline back to becoming elevated. It's like the timeline is moving in the opposite direction. It's kind of hard to put into words. I'll try next time. Okay, continuing this remark piece a little bit. Paragraph six, going in a few lines. Through all this, we can ex- understand the basic idea of the soul of an animal. When the material of the world is organizing and compounding into higher and higher, more refined states of material configuration. When the material of the universe is formatting into more and more elevated formations, or refined formations, or glorified formations, al as we said, they are rising up in their levels, that they are traveling up the chain of the different possible levels of their existence, which are always existing in metaphysical space of possibility, and they are traveling back towards their origin as they're traveling in their timeline, back towards where they're coming from. And thereby they are becoming closer in proximity to the essential life-giving light, as we said, when the configuration of material is traveling closer to configuring into configurations that more and more resemble where they're coming from, such that the seed, just to repeat again, that seed in the dirt is so far flung out and it is a very and is and is in a very degraded state of material configuration and as it's elevating in states of material configuration elevating into plant life and animal life and eventually integrating into a human being it is at the same time getting closer and closer in spiritual proximity to the life give life force life that is able to more and more intensely and in quantity and in quality play into those higher states of configuration. Now, 
Now, in the one sense, of course, an animal has a, a soul of life and a life force of light, but in a deeper truth, right, literally his words are, when you talk about deeper truth, this is fascinating. In another sense, an animal has no soul whatsoever. What does that mean? When the animal dies and its material constitutive elements are disintegrating, unraveling, falling apart, Then it is falling swiftly away from the light. The light is departing from it. The thing dies. Because an animal does not have an eternal soul comprised of three levels of what's called nefesh, ruach, and neshama. Not the part here to really talk about. Only a human being has an essential soul. So when a human being, his body is passing away and disintegrating, yet, this is the fascinating point, all of the light that he was, and we've said this many times, and we said it last week, all of the light that a human being is activating and using to play into this world, that is remaining forever. But an animal, here's the fascinating image. It's like the Ramax is really brilliant so much in so little. What's the difference between an animal life and a human life? Both animals and humans have an aspect that they have a body and they have forms of light playing in their body. The human being has more elevated light playing in his body because according to this theory, the human body is more elevated than the animal body. It's a more elevated configuration of material. Therefore, it's able to capture more light. But more than that, the human level... The human level is as follows. The human level, not only does it have an elevated state of material configuration, but it has so many layers and expressions of a permanent soul, which is remaining forever. But an animal, while for a time... It has the light of Hashem shining and animating within it because of more and more elevated configurations of material. Yet, when that animal is dying, so its material is unraveling and decomposing and separating, and the light that was shining in that animal just isn't shining in the animal anymore. So the question is, where does that light go? The soul protests the idea that Hashem would just shine light into this item, which it started out as a seed in the ground, and it got a tiny, tiny bit of light because it was such a low, low vessel as just a mere seed in the ground that could only contain just a tiny bit of light. And as the seed opened up into higher configuration of materiality to be a plant, so more light was able to pour into that plant as the vessel of the plant is opening up and elevating as a higher state of material configuration. So more light 
is consequently playing in it. And then it opens up even more when it's eaten by an animal and then becomes integrated into the animal level. And it's integrating into a system of material configuration that's opening up even more. And more light is consequently shining in that. But then if the animal just dies and therefore goes back to dirt and then there's no more light playing in any of those items, so what was the point? What happens to all that light that was playing in that seed which turned into a plant, which turned into an animal? Where does the light go? What was the point of this? Was this just futile? And the answer must be that somehow, no, the lights and the structures of light, which were playing in those items, in those materials, whether organic life or wood or stone that became part of buildings and so on and so forth, the structures of light, which were playing in those items, they get their tikkun, they get their elevation by becoming integrated into human existence because humanity, those are the ones that are using all of those structures of light found in all the other items around them, using them for their activity and ideally for their mitzvot, for their good deeds. That when that seed that eventually became a chicken or a cow is finally used to prepare a meal to feed somebody who is poor, and it was used as a vehicle for giving tzedakah, for doing acts of kindness, that now is the final elevation of that light into a very beautiful integration into the human sphere. And that integration is then grafted onto the soul of humanity forever. And so it's just a fascinating image and truth to think how all these items around us, which are opening up, like I'm looking at the chairs and tables around me. These were all raw materials and metals and minerals, whatever, in the earth, plastics. And they're opening up and they're being pulled out by industry. Nakamo. And they're opening up and they're being, through the application of human industry and thought to these plastics and metals, they're opening up into the forms of tables and chairs. But then once they turn into tables and chairs, they're not going to exist forever. So again, what is the final culmination of the journey of these elements opening up, pulling in and capturing more and more light? Their final culmination is in how we use them and in the activities, the, 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 the energy forms of activities that we are using those lights inside of all these items to to carry out those activities using their energy and what they offer us when those activities are then carried out that the energy of those activities as they are stored in our souls as memories as energies of memory of what, what when you do anything and you carry out activities the energy of those activities are remaining as memories in you and as emotional energy forms in your body. And your body changed because of what you ate. Clearly, the body is changing. So now it's in your body, which is a part of your soul structure forever. Or you got enjoyment or you were able to p- perform an act of kindness or justice, you know, selling an item fairly. You're, you're a salesman and you are fair to your customers. 
and you were fair in business and you didn't cheat and you didn't rip anyone off. So all the items and the money and the wares that you were selling, all the energy of the activities that are pulled out by human usage of these items, the energy of those activities, that is stored in the eternal soul and that thereby is the elevation of all these items which otherwise have no permanent existence. They get their permanent existence through the activities that they help furnish for us to carry out those activities. Fine. That animals or anything that's not on the human level of things, he says it's like an insect that as it flies closer to the source of light, and, and we're saying here, Proximity and closeness here is spiritual proximity, that as the material of items is elevating and getting into more sophisticated configurations, which are, spiritually speaking, more proximate and more reflective of the origin of of the divine intelligence, which is at the root of all things. So when the material is gathering itself closer to where it comes from in the divine or, or origin of thoughts that are driving creation, the intelligence driving creation. Like, like we imagine, we, we understand that there's intelligence in everything. Like DNA, which is at the core of my body, is super intelligence. The laws of physics and quantum physics, these are laws of super intelligence. The question is, how does the materiality that these laws of super intelligence are driving how well does the materiality really reflect those laws? Because the deeper laws of intelligence are the laws of divine intelligence, the divine intentions, which are the plans behind the screen and behind the scenes, driving everything to its final completion and holiness. So the fact is, is that there's a correspondence between the elevation of materiality, something going from a seed to an animal or from a raw material to a human utensil or chair. The fact is, is that those laws of the order of creation, which govern that these things should become more and more useful to humanity, those laws themselves are more deeply and deeply reflected in the items that they themselves are elevating through human partnership. But once the item has been used and the human activity has been extracted from the usage of those items and then the thing is finally no longer useful and then dies or is recycled, so it like disintegrates again. And so where was all that light that was playing in that item, making it bloom, making it grow? It gets inculcated into the human collective human soul and consciousness through the activities and the discoveries that were pulled out through usage of those items. That's the point. Okay. Okay. Now he says there's some secrets about reincarnation. I'm not going to get into everything. Fine. Fine. And then he has a fascinating just, there's a story about the rabbis that they created a person. And he's like, and then whatever things happen, and they're like, you know what, we need to send him back. So there's this big question, how did, they murdered the person. 
if they created a person, how can they just kill him? And the answer is they didn't kill him. He didn't really have a permanent soul. He was merely shining for a moment with the reflection of the soul of a human being, but it was really only just a configuration of light. Okay, it's just interesting, but I can't, I can't do everything right now. Okay. Right. Right. So he's doing more of that. Um, then he's talking about what's kosher. Um, just a little more. Okay. Just a little more. Nox or Linyanin. Okay, so let's get back to what we were talking about. Ki ayesodo tapashutim olim imadrega venasim chelak ever laesav mitkarvim yoter alamakor vakarkach abehimo chelak laesav ahu venases chelak ever mimena venase kitsurata mikarev yoter alamakoro kafi kirvata alamakoro kinit kareva lea or yigdal bava ara kinoda. All right, so that's what we're talking about. Umash ayatakara malach ahu. Now, here's where we bring in the angels. Allah savim yote mirashuto venichnas. So what happens when you go, say, from the stage of that the item was in, in the format of uh, vegetable material and it is being elevated to become more refined, more complex life by being eaten by a cow. So when it was only in the form of a blade of grass. So since its material was only opening up and catching so much light, another way of saying that is that it was underneath the authority of an angel, which is the angel is like a vessel. He's going to say an angel is like a pipe. An angel is a filtering device, which is capturing the light of the creator with so many constrictions or so many openings up to catch more light. And that angel is actually that which is capturing the light of the creator's power and formatting it into the exact specifications of the light which is going to animate that blade of grass. As we know, the very famous saying, that every single blade of grass has an angel which is appointed over that blade of grass, which is striking the grass, so to speak, and saying grow. Which means that an angel is like us. What an angel actually is, so the definition of an angel is that it is a certain specification of minimizing and filtering the old unlimited power of the creator's light of creation to give it exact specifications and filters to package the light so that it should be the appropriate light which is now going to animate grass but when the grass is passing from being just grass and now it's being eaten by an animal and now it's passing to become integrated in the body of an animal so the light which was once animating that blade of grass, that angel is now departing as what was animating that blade of grass. And now a new angel is animating that material as it is now part of the, that part of the body of an animal. And now the animal creating angel is shining into that material to make it now opening up to receive the filtered format of light, which is now greater and more um, expansive because it's fueling more complex life to fuel its existence now as part of animal life. And now I just sort of as an aside, uh, the lesson 
in Jerusha Olamatohu, Chalik Beit, Jerush Dalit, in the 15th chapter and forward, for many chapters, is explaining really, so where did the first angel go? Where did the first angel go, which was the angel that was like a smaller angel, so to speak, a spiritually smaller angel that was only capturing the light of what creates blade of grass? And then when that blade of grass becomes part of animal life, and now an animal life angel is animating it, which is more power of light and stuff. So where did the first angel go? And according to what I remember from the Leshem, it's actually that that angel, that first angel itself is transforming and is itself opening up and becoming, so to speak, a spiritually bigger angel, which is now fueling and animating animal life. So just as the grass is reconfiguring and and opening up and expanding to become integrated into animal life, the angel which was appointed over that grass is undergoing a similar process on its higher plane of existence. And it itself, so to speak, is opening up and becoming a more expanded angel to bring down more expansive energy on that material of the blade of grass, which is now becoming integrated into animal life. So it's fascinating, fascinating. And there are many, many statements brought by the Leshem and many other tzaddikim that there's a concept of inanimate matter and plant life and animal life, so to speak, on many planes of existence. Such that when plant life, plant material is becoming part of animal life and animal material on the physical plane, actually when we are experiencing that, we have to appreciate and have belief and the Kabbalists can really see and experience that that same process is happening on deeper and deeper dimensions and those deeper and deeper dimensions are actually the causative dimensions which are driving those transformative processes on earth such that when the blade of grass is transferring from being given light by a grass angel and now it's being given light by an animal life angel, it's actually because that same angel itself was transforming and opening up to give more life to what is now part of animal life. Fascinating, fascinating. Right. Right. Now, the Lushan of the Ramak seems to suggest that, no, the original blade of grass was once under the grass life force giving angel, and then it just leaves his domain and authority and his channel, so to speak, and is going underneath the domain authority and channel of light of a bigger animal life angel. But, you know, the fact is that the Ramak, I'm not saying I know better than the Ramak, God forbid that that's like the most ridiculous thing in the world. I'm just telling you from what I remember reading from the Leshem, who's coming from the come, after the coming of the Arizal, that it's more mashma that, and you can read into this Ramak that when he's saying that it went underneath the authority of one angel and entered under the authority of the animal life-giving angel, it could mean that the first angel itself is just evolving into a new angel with new authority over this new configuration of material. And in fact, statements that the Ramak are about to say in this piece would seem to fit with that interpretation. Right. Fine. 
וכאשר אדם יאכל בשר הוא, יאללה יבשר אל המדרגה המשובחת מעולה בקרבותה, אל מציאוס האדם השפע עליו, אור מלך מלכי המלכים, הוא הנשמה העליונה, כאשר נדבר בעזרת השם. Now, when the, you know, the chicken, the kosher chicken, which was eating the <coughs> corn, so the corn was once on the low corn level, and then it went into the chicken level, and then a human being, a, a, a holy Israelite, is eating that chicken on Shabbat, and doing a mitzvah now with that chicken, and now it's all being integrated into the level of humanity, now there aren't, listen to this, it's no longer that original material, which was once the grain of corn, is no longer underneath any angel. It's not under a corn angel. It's not under a chicken angel. It's underneath the direct supervision of Hashem, the King of Kings, because it is now being integrated that it's getting the light of a neshama, of a human soul, of a holy soul. And the, the neshama, the holy soul, is not underneath any angels. It's above the angels because the, the neshama is, the, listen to this, the human soul is the filter of the direct light, so to speak, coming from the Creator. When things were not yet integrated into the human influence and being integrated into human activity, hopefully holy human activity, they were underneath and they were getting light through the filter systems of so many angels, which means that they were not yet directly pulled into the plan of the creator, so to speak. They were being prepared to be used and utilized. As the verse says, when, when Hashem created man, he says, that you will you will rule over the creation, which doesn't mean that we just get to conquer and rape and pillage the world. It means that we are the, we, the whole world is supposed to be used by us, that we are supposed to, with the light of our souls, which is like, so to speak, the direct channeling of the, of the influence of the creator, through our souls, we finally culminate each item and bring them to their final completion. So the analogy is beautiful and brilliant. Whereas... The concept of an angel is that filter system on light to, ant, to, to create parameters on light that the light of the creator's power should animate so many objects and items which are outside the human sphere. The soul is similar to that except that the soul of, hu- of a human is filtering on the direct light of the creator himself to animate that now these items which are being pulled into human activity and use are being, so to speak, now directly brought into the, to the sphere of the Creator's power itself. I'm having a hard time articulating this, honestly. Let me try one more time. When you have so many items in the world before they're being brought into human experience, so they're getting their light through so many angels, and we said that so many angels are like so many systems of shaping the light of the creator, the animating light of the creator, to animate and pull light into so many items. Once those items are being brought into being used by a human being for mitzvah, now they're being brought under the light of his soul, and his soul is now a light which is also filtering the light of the creator, but doing so in a way that's like more directly bringing down the light of the creator, that the light of the creator should now, instead of peripherally and, so to speak, to the side animating this thing, now the light of the creator, so to speak, through that human being's activity is being directly pulled into its final culmination. 
I still feel like I didn't quite explain it, but it, it's hard to articulate. We'll just try our best. Yeah. And therefore, the halacha is that an ignoramus, a person who is sinning and is not trying to, to do tshuva and is not trying to learn the mitzvot and is not trying to learn Torah, he's forbidden to eat even kosher meat. Because right now, he's not pulling down the light of his holy soul to elevate that meat to its final culmination. He's just eating a hamburger, maybe albeit even a kosher hamburger, for his own pleasure. So what is he doing? He's not pulling that energy into its final culmination. All right. Va'yuvan, man fine, um, I'm skipping a little bit. Now, this is what it says in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 6. That the, that the advantage of a human over an animal is nothing. What does that mean? Oh, oh we're not better than the animals? No. That a human being, simply because from the aspect of his body, that, oh, I'm just a more elevated, more advanced uh, conglomeration of materials, that's not fundamentally better than an animal. From the fact that just from the side of my body, that my body is more advanced. <coughs> oh, so an animal is more advanced than a plant, so a human's more advanced than an animal because it can talk and make choices. That's not such a big deal, really, in the grand scheme of things. So from that perspective, there's really not that big of a difference between an animal and a human. And a human just has more advanced ways of carrying out his animalistic lusts and desires from the pure aspect of his body. The elevation of a human being over everything for sure is only from the side of his neshama, from his holy eternal soul, which is that eternal light, which is coming straight underneath the light of the Creator, which is even above the energy of the angels, that is something that is obviously way beyond the animals, because from the side of a human being's body, so the body disintegrates just like the animals. But the soul, that is the thing which is integrating all activities and, and elevating and perfecting everything. All right. Okay, um... I'm not going to do everything. All right, one more point. So, last point about angels. Angels... In one aspect, they are way higher than people. Because, obviously, you got the angel that... Nachama. 
in one aspect, the angels are way higher than people because, like, say you have the angel that's transferring the animating life force of the creator to animate uh, plants or to animate a chair, etc., etc. So clearly those angels are in huge high dimensions and they're way more refined in their configuration of spiritual material than my coarse body down here. However... But in the internality of things, all those angels which are in such high dimensions of the universe that they are, they are channeling the light of the Creator to manifest and bring into existence that cabinet, that cat, that, that light bulb. I can't do that, at least not with my body. But on the other hand, all those angels which are channeling the light of creating existence from the Creator, at the end of the day, they're only, as he says, they're just being ma'avir ha'ur. They're just letting the, the light and, and like the watery, life-giving powers of the Creator just flow directly through them like a pipe. But they themselves have no eternal existence. They too, when they stop giving life and animating the cow or the chicken because the cow or the chicken died or got eaten or whatever, they disappear as well. They're just only temporary configurations of spiritual material, albeit at a very high level, but they have no eternal internality to them. Just like the things they animate have no internal eternality to them. But the soul of the human being that's on the inside of everything is therefore higher than those angels. That basically, bottom line, even those holy, holy angels, which in correspondence with all those things that they are causing to open up and elevate and come closer to the spiritual source of existence, but they are only mere pipelines for the light. But the human soul is that that eternal portion of the eternal God and only the human soul way on the inside of everything, that's the one that's sticking around forever, integrating the activity and life from all these experiences and pulling all of the creation into himself. Kind of a tough thing to, to um, honestly to translate and explain, but it's very beautiful. Maybe give it a few lessons, God willing.